0: Welcome to episode 786 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things I am. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 786 of I Am Talk with Coach John Euston and Bevan James Owens. How are you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Feeling fired up in the morning. It's still dark. We got up early to get some interviews in place and uh, we're, getting, we, we're, we're doing a bit of a split show because John's got a bike ride happening in 40 minutes, which we're going to have to smash out this first bit. So let's just get straight into it.
1: I Am <laughs> Talk is proudly brought to you by... Our fantastic patrons. And he's got, gonna... got nothing here for me to name, so you're going to oh. have to but... you, you, you carry on. Well, say, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say, Murray the, Holy Hammer, Murray the Holy Hammer Lapworth. Yep. And uh, Phil the Philinator. The Philinator <laughs> and the grinder, Chrissy McKinley. There we go. Uh, this week's show, we've got
0: some news. We've got a discussion of the week. Uh, actually, we're going to skip last week's one, are we?
1: Yeah, we are. Well, oh. it was it was so strong. Um, it's going it's to come up later. It was, oh, Collins, man, it was a Collins Cup discussion, and in hindsight, I didn't even get the points scoring correct because uh, <laughs> I thought the maximum you could get was four and a half points in the Collins Cup, and you could actually get six points.
0: There you go. Uh, basically, it's all about Collins Cups today, guys. So let's quickly cool. just fly through the news. First of all, we did have the Paralympics happen over the weekend, and I just want to go through some of the results, Sean.
1: I do indeed. So just to give you guys some context, they've got different categories over there. They've got uh, the WC, which is the wheelchair, and they've got a couple of different divisions in that. You've got the S4, which is a moderate impairment uh, in both bike and run segments. Amputee may use uh, approved prosthetics and other support devices. Uh, There's the S5, which has got mild impairments, both bike and run segments. Athletes may use approved approved, um, devices, um, but that's sort of going from moderate to mild. And then you've got the V1 category, which includes athletes who are totally blind. Um, and then you've got within that you've got a couple of different segments. So on the men's uh, wheelchair event, you had uh, Jets Platts take that out pretty comfortably by a couple of minutes. In the PTS, uh, the PTS4, you had uh, Alexis, oh, it's a tricky one. He's a Frenchie, uh, Hank we can, uh took that out by about four minutes. He did 59:58. In the PTS5, uh, pretty close race there. Martin Schultz took that one out by 45 seconds over George Peasgood from the UK. Uh, and then in the race where you've got several different categories uh, for those uh, visually impaired, you had Brad Snyder take that out in 101.16. Um, and within that, I believe, I think that was where we had a few of our Ironman athletes, people like Andy Potts, and I think a few oh, yeah. females like Laura Sedal might have been in, the, in that race as well. And I, f- I have the feeling, and I could possibly be wrong here, that within the visually impaired race, there's actually a bit of a handicapped start based on your level of um, oh, okay. sight. But anyway, Brad Snyder took that out. Uh, and then in the women's side of things, in the wheelchair race, Sprint finish. I saw a picture of this. Um, Kendall Gretsch from the US by one second beat out Lauren Parker from Australia. So that's an awesome race. And we had a pretty close race in the women's PTS2 with uh Alisa St- uh, Seeley from the States taking that out by about 50 seconds over Haley Dance, and then the women's PTS5. Laura Stedman took that out in 104.46. And then finally, in the women's PTV1, so that's your visually impaired, you had Susana Rodriguez take that out by four minutes. So um, um, what I might try to do is get somebody on who knows a bit more about Paralympics, um, someone like Tim Heming, maybe, yeah. or, or to, to talk through. Because these guys line. are the
0: real deal. Like These are like athletes, man. Like They're absolutely rock stars. Just, like Just Awesome. And you just kind of you think about the, the challenges they have with their kind of body situations. It's just
1: awesome. Mm. Yeah. So I haven't really caught too much of the Paralympics over here. It's sort of on our evening news, just a Kiwi sort of highlights, but I haven't actually seen too much of the action. But uh, yeah, awesome. As you said, bloody inspirational stuff. Real deal.
0: Okay. Uh, we're just going to fly through. We had lots of little races happen over the weekend. We'll just fly through this. Let's go uh, Challenge Championship, which was yep. in uh, Saruman. Uh, it missed- Lucy
1: Hall? A, yeah, it was an important race because a lot of these athletes would have been sitting there sort of waiting, potentially getting call-ups. So Lucy Hall took that out on the female side in front of uh, Sarah Perez and Hayley Chura. On the boys' side, you had Florian Angert take it out in front of Magnus Ditlev and Frederick Funk. Man, the, the the Team Europe could have subbed in so many oh. athletes from these, this event and other events and been uh, even stronger than what they were at the Collins Cup. Uh we also had uh Iron Man Hamburg happen. Laura Zimmerman took that out with a strong run at the end there, beat it, went 8.54, so two females went uh, under nine hours. Renee Rene, Kylie was in second at 8.56 from Australia, and Lauren Brandon just missed out on doing, doing the sub-nine. Uh, she went nine hours and 49 seconds, and that was at Ironman Hamburg. Looked like a pretty brown swim, swim wherever they did swim, and uh, it was a women's only pro race. Uh, we had the 70.3 Zell MC. And that was where they had the world champs a few years ago. And again, you had Laura Phillip uh, crushing it by ten minutes. <laughs> and and like she couldn't even make the the, the, the Euro team. Uh, that's how good they were. And she finished, I think it was fourth in Kona a few years ago. And she won an Ironman in Finland, uh, sort of the weekend before. And so she's on fire, but couldn't make the Collins Cup team. Uh,
0: lastly, we had Challenge Davos, and that was Nicholas Burry took out the females.
1: Mm, again, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then on the boys' side there, you had Roberto Mantisson f- uh, from Spain took that out by two minutes over Albert Molans. Uh, we also had uh, coming up this
0: weekend. So we've got races coming up this weekend. We've got Challenge Road coming up. Now we look at the, pro- the the field this year. Uh, we we talked we talked to Braden Curry later on the show. He's actually going to head over to be racing as well.
1: Uh, we haven't got the rock star, have we? Well, no, and and this field may well change because this was probably put up before yeah. Kona got cancelled, and so you're going to have all those Collins Cup pros scrambling to to find races to do. Um, you know, they did an interview I saw with with um, uh, Jan Fredino and he was saying he's going to be doing an Ironman somewhere. It didn't say where. Um, when he did mention them. There, but I can't actually remember off the top of my head uh, So I think these fields, you know, this is not a strong field But then we just, you're going to hear from Braden Curry. He's not on the start list uh, And he said he's going down there to race So I think we'll see quite different fields To what is currently up on Torsten's start list Because you look at the, the start list You've got Justin Metzler who did race um, at the weekend Um and the rest of the athletes, uh, yeah, Nick line he should be pretty strong. Um, Kevin Collington from the States on the female side. Sarah Crowley's down to race. Um, but, yeah, I think we're going to see quite different start lists. Uh, Laura Siddell is also on that start list. Uh, so let's just wait and see. But Challenge Rope, good to see them manage to get their delayed race uh, up and running.
0: Yeah, and, and let's be honest, because Challenge Road kind of always have one, one or two big hitters, don't they? Um, they kind of invest in that, but obviously, with what's happening in the world right now, it's probably a bit more challenging. But it will be interesting to see that start line, based on Kona kind of not being there and athletes thinking, where can I get a race? So it'll be fascinating. Also, I'm in Switzerland
1: and another athlete that's not on the start list there is Joe Skipper who's going to be heading down to do Switzerland he's on route and you may hear from him later today or you may uh, hear from him next week but we, I tried to line up a bunch of interviews and the athletes are all travelling and all over the place uh, so you, you're you going to hear hopefully over the next week um, from some of the athletes that did the Collins Cup but yeah uh, Cam Wirth started to race again he raced a couple of weeks ago so it'll be interesting to see if he lines up again and uh, Jan Van Berkel uh, is there so you know. Stronger field here. You've got some good Swiss athletes on the the guys' side, and then on the female side, you've got Emma Bilan from Switzerland, Angela Nath, and several others that are also down to do other events on the same weekend. So, as for the last few weeks, we're just going to have to see what rolls out the other end and who turns up to these events.
0: Rolling. Okay. Last thing we're going to talk about in the news this weekend coming up. We have got the the Super League is going to be kicking off in London
1: it is looking forward to that uh, they're going to be doing next four weekends back to back so London this weekend uh, looking forward to it and hopefully we see some good good old coverage the Super League's gone a little bit different when we first saw it come around you know we had two and a half days of full on action racing left right and centre uh, now you know at each stop there's going to be you know one round of racing rather than sort of spreading it over you know two and a half days um, which is you know you've got to start thinking about the athlete's longevity as cool as it is for our spectators to be watching the Super League, um, you know, it takes a fair amount out of you, and so I think uh, the athletes have been doing a lot of racing back-to-back over the last little period, so yeah, makes sense just to have one day of racing rather than multiple
0: so we are going to skip the discussion because John made it way too complicated. And uh, so, Confuse what with the
1: self, even.
0: <laughs> uh, so what we're saying is, this week's discussion is going to be what could be done to make the Collins Cup even better than what we saw on the weekend. So, just if you did watch the Collins Cup in, in any way, shape, or form, just what do you think can be some improvements we can look to move forward with? It? In the future. Um, Okay, so let's dig into it guys. Collins Cup, it was a big weekend. It was the first moment. It's a pretty big moment in our sport. PTO came along a few years ago. Uh, they've been talking about getting this race happening. Unfortunately, with COVID last year, it didn't happen. And then they managed to put it together. Bit of format. No one really knew how it was going to work. And But they've done it now. So let's have a bit of discussion around what happened, John. So first of all, you want to, you want to go to the fantasy first. I did not do great.
1: You did not do great. I did pretty well. Um, Actually, no. We'll we'll, we'll discuss each match first, and then we'll go to the fantasy second. Because uh, yeah, some of these results screwed me over a bit on the fantasy league, but I, I, I. well, actually, when we go to the fantasy league, I'm going to be fascinated to see uh, how who, whoever came out on top, how close they actually got, because there were some real boilovers here, and it all started in race number one. Uh, we had Taylor Nib versus Daniela Reef versus Teresa Adam. Taylor Nib, I actually picked her because she's been she just absolutely crushed a few races leading into this in terms of um, half iron distance. Uh, she got second at. Uh, boulder 70.3 she caned the last round of the world triathlon series she's a beast on the bike so i kind of thought she's going to be able to swim with daniela reef i'm pretty sure she's actually going to be able to bike with her and there's no reason why she can't run with her it's just whether she have enough endurance to to actually be able to handle the 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 sustained sort of effort so I actually picked her so whilst I was happy to see her do extremely well it was a real pain that Danielle Reef was off her game sounded like she was sick so Taylor Nib won by a bloody 16 minutes and Teresa Adam there was always going to be a question mark over her she hasn't raced since around about January time I think yeah. and had all sorts of challenges so that wasn't entirely surprising so I actually got uh, race number 100% correct and Taylor Nib actually had by far the fastest time out of all the females she finished in 10, which was over three minutes quicker than Lucy Charles, who was the next best of the females and significantly faster than everybody out there. So that was going <laughs> on and on about her on race day, and rightly so, because she absolutely caned it.
0: So then the second race, Lucy Charles took it out, I'd say convincingly, four minutes over Katie severus and Paula Finlay came in another four minutes after that, or no, but just a few seconds after Katie. Um, just pretty dominant, really, wasn't it?
1: It was, and, and that was. I, I think most people would have picked Lucy Charles to pick that one. I was in a real toss up as to whether Paula Finlay was going to be on fire or if she was going to be uh, average or below average, and. While she did get well beaten, both of the Katie Zaveras and Paula Finlay did get well beaten, their times were actually pretty competitive with some of the other events. So Paula Finlay is one of those ones who, when she's on, she is awesome and she could have won that match. um, But she just had what looks like a a fairly average sort of day uh, and ended up being pretty close between second and third. And I actually got second and third around the wrong way there. I thought Katie Zaveras might blow up, um, but she held uh, reasonably strong and managed to hold off Paul Finlay. So I, I got first there, but I didn't get second and third. Yeah, so I went Katie
0: Zavaris to win it. I oh, did you? Nice. Yeah. I thought, you know what, she might be able to pull it off.
1: Uh, number three, Jackie Herring, Anne Haug, and then uh, Jenny Metzler. I had a meal here. I did not do well. Uh, Jackie Hearing, who you may hear from next week. I was, I was trying to line up an interview with her. I put this down as performance of the day. Uh, she took that out, beating Anne Haug by two minute two minutes, 23 seconds, and then Jenny Metzler back in third place. So to put that one in perspective, Anne Haug is the best runner in the sport. She's the current Ironman World Champion from a while back, and she's just a beast. Uh, And we've seen her do well at the Challenge Miami race, I think it was, where she almost ran herself back up the victory after serving a drafting penalty. Uh, So going into the run on this one, for those that didn't watch it, Jenny Metzler and Jackie Herring were together, and Anne Haug was about two minutes back. So you think Jackie Herring and Jenny Metzler are two very, very good runners, but Anne Haug is off the charts and she could run two minutes down from anybody. As it turned out, she didn't. Jackie Herring had the fastest run of the day out of all the females and uh, outran Jenny Metzler, who's been on fire on the 70.3 circuit. So Jackie Herring was outstanding and definitely performance of the day for me and made the whole event exciting because you had two Americans caning it early on and yeah, it made for the, if what you're thinking is going to be a European whitewash, Daniela Reef had been beaten and uh, several of the other events weren't quite going their way. Uh, so it made for exciting viewing. It was awesome. Jackie of hearing gold star.
0: Well, it was exciting viewing for match number four, the start of the swim. These two girls now it was salt house and Lawrence, wasn't it? They, they get a bit of smack talk between each other. Obviously, not best, not BFFs, and you could see it in the swim because the thing about the swim was, if you guys watched it, was you only saw the two. You know, there's only three people swimming, so there was no packs to hide. And and these two were basically bashing each other for yeah, the whole swim. It
1: was crazy. It was absolute yeah. madness. Yeah. And we saw this in several of the races with the athletes <clears throat> swimming next to each other. And I was, yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't go behind each other what are you doing? Yeah. And the same thing applied with uh, Jan Fredino versus Sam Appleton match yeah. later on. I'm like, Sam Appleton, just get on his feet. You're going to need all the energy you can later on. Anyway, they're better athletes than us. So maybe they know better, but uh, I certainly would have been jumping on his feet. Tell there was no love lost, was there? And the, the disappointing... Uh, it was so disappointing about this race and all you guys that watched will know this that they were Ali Salthouse and Holly Lawrence were together on the bike almost all the way going ding dong battle and then Holly Lawrence fell off her bike and uh so that was kind of match So what was, was so what, what, what was with the bike? Because we hit quite a few falls. And we there was quite a few falls that we did not see as well. Yeah. Uh, it was just, you know, slippery. Uh, slippery and they had full tire pressure in and when you're doing U-turns and stuff and just not concentrating, so I know. Yeah, Holly Lawrence fell off. Uh, I know Kyle Smith fell off his bike, and that wasn't actually reported on a day I saw on his Instagram, uh, which is a real shame because that cost him second place in his event. Uh, and also, we saw Lionel Sanders fall off. So it's just um, operator error in what is very tricky conditions on slippery roads. So um, yeah, that was unfortunate. So that that match ended up Ellie House, uh taking it out. Sky Monster. She missed it. Oh, that was interesting. She finished just two minutes and one second behind Ali Salthouse, which meant Ali Salthouse would have got an extra um, half point because of that one second. So, if you every two minutes you beat somebody by, uh, you got half a point. So, that was uh, it. Was good that she beat her by a couple of extra seconds. Uh, next up, match five, we have a pallant, uh, Chelsea Sedaro, and uh, Sierra Crowley. Cool thing on this one, we had uh, Emma Pallant and Chelsea Sedaro coming off the bike to. Together or very close to it and uh, we didn't actually see them going head to head on the run Um, but Emma Pallant you you expected her to win that one I stupidly because I didn't do my research properly on this one I think I put Sarah Crowley second and Chelsea Sedaro in third when you actually if you'd done your research which I should have done Chelsea Sedaro is uh, her resume she's pretty new to the game but she's just her results are just littered with wins, uh, and she didn't really do much last year. I think she may have been. I could be wrong here, but a number of the American females have been off having babies, uh, so Jocelyn McCauley and a few others, and I think she might have been in that same camp, but um, that, was a, that was a pretty good matchup. So, um, yeah, Emma Pallant took that one out, and that's when things started to swing the Europeans' way. Uh,
0: next up, we're in match numbers. Kat Matthews took it out in match number six. Uh, Jocelyn McCauley and then Carrie Lester. No, Jocelyn McCauley did pretty well because she was just called out like days before the race.
1: Yeah, and um, we talked to her last That's week. Yeah. So um, I, I kind of didn't realize that Carrie Lester, I should have realized this, that she'd done uh, Man before that. And she, Carrie Lester's an absolute awesome Ironman athlete. Doesn't normally do that well at 70.3. And I thought, oh, Jocelyn McCauley might be a bit tired after Ironman mm, That's And I oh, thought she did. And I thought, oh, and she also didn't do very well at Boulder 70.3. And so I actually picked um, Carrie Lester to get second, I think, in that one. Um, but I thought Kat Matthews would win. And Kat Matthews actually had an outstanding day because uh, she's known more as a, a long distance specialist. And, uh, and she, you know, she was only a minute and a half slower than Lucy Charles. So that was pretty impressive
0: okay then heading to the men's race match number seven was Jan Frodeno Sam Appleton and Sam Long Jan Frodeno you you just got to love the guy don't you you know just like in that last part of the run when he just wanted to get that extra 15 seconds and he was just burying himself and it's like the Euros are gonna win you know (laughs) Like it wasn't needed but just he's, he's just such an attractive athlete if you know what I mean
1: and uh, yeah, he buried himself and by, by doing so he managed to actually have the fastest males, male time of the day uh, so he did ended up with three hours 13.08 uh, compared to Gustav Eden at uh, 3.13.35 so not that that really mattered um, what mattered was <coughs> Rian Ferdino managed to push out a lead of over Sam Appleton of over four minutes to get some bonus points there Sam Appleton had a fantastic race he just went for it he stayed with Leon Frodino on the swim he got dropped on the bike and then managed to ride back up to Jan Fredino. So I was wondering if maybe Jan Fredino crashed, I don't know, or Sam Appleton just uh came home really strong in the second half. But that was that was really noteworthy. He sort of put himself in a position where probably not going to beat Jan Fredino, but he was probably thinking if I can just hang with him for as long as possible, maybe I won't lose two minutes on the run and uh and salvage some points here. But he still beat Sam Long, who's you know, one of the form athletes mm. of the, 70, the, the circuit anywhere in the world. Uh, so good on him.
0: I gotta say, Fratino's an unbelievable. He's forty, mm. you know. Like this, you know, he, he's the fastest guy there, and he's forty. You know, like, and you might say, in an Iron Man, a forty-year-old can still hold it, but you wouldn't speak that this distance that you need to be the fastest guy there.
1: Yeah, no, that was. Uh, he's he's was just very- a
0: legend. I match eight Gustav Gustaf uh We've got Colin Charia and Kyle Smith.
1: And I picked Kyle Smith to get second here. Um, and, but he yeah, he did fall off his bike. He was leading up. Oh, did swim. he? Uh, he fell off his bike. And not only did he fall off his bike, he had to ride the rest of the bike ride. And I think he fell off his bike really early with one aero bar. Uh, mm. So he had a bit of bad luck there um, because he's, he's a real talent. His time was still... Pretty competitive. Like to put, you got to look at the times and and how they sort of compare. So he did three hours twenty. He got absolutely spanked by Gustav Eden by seven minutes. Mm. You put it in perspective. He was only twenty seconds slower than uh, Braden Curry and pretty competitive with some of the other um, athletes as well. So Colin Cartier, I thought that was an amazing performance by him. He only got called in a couple of days before. I've never heard of the name before. So <laughs> for him to actually um, get a get an extra point there for the Americans was uh, good on him.
0: Match number nine, Lionel Sanders, Keenlay, and It was kind of the race that lots of people were interested in because it was kind of two of the big talkers, or three of the big talkers of the game. Uh, kind of what you would have expected, uh, but still interesting racing. Keenlay
1: was catching at the end. Yeah, he was. And uh, it was good that Keenley got over Starkowitz. Well, I thought, you know, um, that was a fair representation of that field. But again, you look at the times and you realise how far off Lionel Sanders would be to his normal very best, because you would expect him to be, you know, on par with like the likes of Daniel Beckingard and mm. some of those others. He did three hours and nineteen compared to Jan Fredino's three 13, so six minutes slower than uh, those athletes. Uh, and he had done months, an Ironman the week before. Exactly. No, totally. Yeah. Uh, and Sam Long was uh, Sam Long was only a minute in front of him. Um, so yeah, that was the order you would have expected. Um, Lionel Sanders probably not quite on his top game, but still got the got the W for the internationals and my God, did they need it because they were struggling at that stage. Uh, Daniel um, Beckingard, Ben Canute and Mac, Max Newman in match number 10. I think a lot of people would have got this one right. I actually picked Ben Canute to take that one. Um, ended up being a really good battle because he was—he uh, did really good transitions. He was—he smoked the start of the run, and Daniel Beckingard had to overhaul him, and he—and he did do. Um, so I kind of took a bit of a gamble on that one and went for Ben Canute, which backfired on me. But Daniel Beckingard is one of the—you know—the very best, and we've seen it a few, a few occasions this year, so um, not totally surprising, but I took a bit of a gamble on that one.
0: Match 11 was Braden Curry, Matt Hanson and
1: Patrick Langer. And I think that I, I, Bevan, I gave I gave Patrick Lang some credit. And I thought, you know what? I bag him out all the time. <laughs> Braden Curry, he, I, one thing we forgot to ask him when we interview him, and you'll hear this later, is he'd had a urinary tract infection like really, really yeah, recently. Yeah. You had to travel halfway around the world, or, and it's really difficult coming from New Zealand. So he only arrived... And on he left Thursday it like the last day. minute, didn't he? Yeah. And so I'm thinking, Braden, you're <clears> awesome, but I think... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, Patrick Langer. I'm going against my gut feeling here, and so I had Patrick Langer. I think I had Braden, and then Matt Hanson, and uh, Braden Curry just caned them. Patrick Langer did go off course, and that cost him a lot. Um, but good on Braden Curry. Uh, but Patrick Langer, I'm not. I'm not picking him again. <laughs> I, I think Braden Curry probably would have beaten him anyway. Um, it, it sounded like we not We did go off course and lost quite a bit of time. But uh, yeah. That was uh, what did he run? What did uh, Patrick Langer ran a 104 34 so it's not like he managed to run himself back into contention and that was uh, that was you know compared to the run we know he can do. you know if we compare that to the next race we'll talk about Jackson laundry ran 5949 compared to 104 for Patrick Langer. so he went wrong but then he threw his toys out of the cop. And that last race was Jackson Laundry, Joe Skipper, and Justin
0: Mitchell. Now he only really won in the last bit. Like I, there was a moment you thought John might take it out.
1: Oh, hell yeah. No, I, I definitely thought Joe had a, a very strong chance of holding on there. Um, and he fought and he put everything on the line and he did the very best that he could because Joe Skipper is very much uh, a long course specialist and he typically has not done well at 70.3 sort of distance. And he went for it on the bike. He had one of the fastest bike of the day and he had a good lead. But Jackson Laundry, to his credit, um, he ran a 59 49. And to put, put that into perspective, um, Jan Fredino, uh, only ran a minute quicker than that so that shows Jackson Laundry had an awesome run and good on him for running down Joe Skipper and then Justin Metzler in, in third place but Joe Skipper certainly did himself proud and I think sort of showed a lot of people that uh, he's not a one-trick pony So uh, let's just give a, a bit of a quick love to our own fantasy league so
0: in the fantasy league from the IM Talk listeners we'll just do the top three so the top three were Andrew
1: uh, Horsefall-Turner and uh, who definitely Nevin was in second place, yeah. and yeah. then Kieran Brennan. Kieran Brennan was in third place. Well done, you got you
0: got thirteenth. I think I got like forty one.
1: Yeah. yeah, I was I was somewhat okay with my points position.
0: I didn't put any thought into it. I quickly rushed through it. Next year, I'm going proper. I'm doing. I'm doing my research next time. I tell you. How, okay, however, let's talk about. So,
1: however, there was also a media fantasy competition, and selected media got chosen to be on a, a Europe team, an international team and an um, American team. And I was uh, drafted into the internationals. So there was how many two, four, six, eight was like? Uh, oh it's the win team. And I've got to say, Tim Hemming took it out uh, in fairly convincing fashion. He was first overall, and he led the European team to a victory. I was third overall, so I'm pretty happy with that. Out of about 30-odd media, I think I got I got third or so uh, with 6,174 points. However, I'm going to name and shame a couple of people here because they let us down. Our team internationals, we finished last. We got our pants pulled down. Um, but Phil Rockner, who we know, he used to go over to Kona. He was an Australian guy. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Zero points. Didn't even get off his ass and those picks. Nor did Wagner... Arajo who takes photos zero points and by because of that we lost the bloody Americans we got spanked by the poms anyway. Oh you would have won
0: easy too. Yeah. So oh. come on. Pick up your game. Come
2: it's on boring. team
0: do your work. Mm. Do your work. Okay Jombo so let's talk about the whole event as a whole so first of all uh let's talk about the coverage. So overall what do you think of the coverage?
1: Yeah it was pretty good um You know, I was fully engaged with the event the whole way through. Um, However, you know, and they they changed the commentators around, which I thought worked really nicely. They switched between races pretty well. Um, Areas of improvement that I thought um, there wasn't really enough match stats updates as you were going through and I think all of us are watching it like there was some clearly some errors so they were obviously having some technological challenges as we as we sort of went through the event now I wasn't watching it live we watched it delayed Um, I didn't know any results but the 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 problem there was you couldn't really use the app to actually find out what was happening in all the events because it it was done and dusted Uh, so that would have been a much better experience watching it live I just yeah Overall, I think we can all say it was awesome to watch. However, I don't know, know, it could have maybe had some fixed cameras on the bike to get a bit more of the bike, actually. We saw very, very little of the bike. Um, And, yeah, they clearly had some tech issues because they were, prior to the event, you know, there was a talk about having power, um, pace, heart rate, live mics things like that uh, and none of that really happened so I, I do think it was awesome and I don't want to bag them out but I think they'll all be looking in the mirror going you know what I think we probably could have done a bit better than that uh, so yeah I, it was you, you know to, to me so some simple things like because to me I always go
0: back to is Joe Public going to be fascinated by this you know because this, this is what they're trying to get to aren't they that these guys become household names or at least names you know like at least you'll be interested in the result. You know, like we we often talk about tennis. I don't really ever watch any of the majors, but I'm kind of curious to see who wins. Um, I'm I'm not sure if it's there as, as a product yet. And now it's day one. So, you know, but, and I think things like, you know, you, it's almost like a news channel where they might have a, a scrolling bit along the bottom where it's just got you know, the different splits on each race. Cause you kind of, you didn't really know what was happening in the races, you know, a lot of the time. And to me, that was kind of like, where's the interest You've, you know unless you're a bit like us we are a bit geeky but if you're joe my wife just watching this would have she been that fascinated with the different races without seeing the context and the closeness of it i think is maybe one thing that they need to figure out
1: yeah, and I think when we see like the one-hour highlights package, they yeah. all have had all, they'll have all that stuff in place. So the one-hour highlights package might be awesome, but as a live spectacle, um, yeah, I'm going to be interested to talk to my father-in-law because I told him to go and watch it. He's a sports nutter and haven't had a chance to talk to him yet uh, and find out what he, he thought of it. Uh, yeah, so... I think definitely it was great, but I think uh, I was probably expecting a little bit more um, and I'm sure they will sort of iron it out, especially, you know, they put so much money into it. It just seemed like they got some of the basics not right. Now, we've got to give them a break because the weather conditions certainly would have helped. I don't know how you transmit all this stuff, but I know that, you know, that would have made things a lot more challenging. And when you actually take a step back and you think, how the hell... Do we try to cover ten dynamic or twelve dynamic yeah. events at one time. It's a massive undertaking to think, uh, how are we going to try to capture the the you know the good content when there's you know thirty six. But I think that I, I kind of think there's a bit more data driven. So I think you you you're going to have
0: a bit of a split screen because you think of golf now. What golf does because that's what golf is is it's lots of different kind of competitions happening at once in a TV coverage and they kind of switch between, you know, the the key moments. But if you had that rolling bit underneath, so you kind of knew what was happening in race. And then as you head to each race, you might, you know, have a bit of something that's kind of on the side, kind of telling the story or or giving the stats or because it, yeah, you kind of didn't know. You just kind of, and unfortunately the commentators probably weren't getting the best information. So you kind of didn't know exactly what was happening in each race as you're going along at least. Oh, are you there? Mm. Oh, yeah. So
1: Sorry. in terms of the system, um, you know, the whole concept, it worked perfectly. The racing was... Uh, racing,
0: got, it's okay to be critical but not mean. What does it mean?
1: Oh, it's so just in terms of the commentators, you know. Um, they were, you know, they, they did a great job, I thought, but often a little bit too nice and you don't want to say, oh, that person's actually doing really rubbish there. And, and, yeah. and so I think you've got to call it as you see it. We're, the rest of us are seeing it. And so just say, oh, you know, XYZ person has—they've had a shocker. That's just a terrible swim. They're going to be really annoyed with that, and 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 yeah. You know, but you don't need to say that they're an absolute crap person or anything like that. But I just think sometimes when I see try commentators, and then this is a, a many other sports, you just got to call it as you see it, and just if someone's doing badly, you call it out without being nasty to the person.
0: Well, and that makes it more interesting, doesn't it? Hmm. Mm.
1: Okay, the system—the the way yeah. they're doing the racing. So I think the athlete I mean, just the way that this panned out was way more exciting than I had anticipated. We all many of us thought it was going to be a European domination. And in the end, it didn't end up being that way. But uh the athletes played their part and made for some very exciting racing. So I think the format is is great. Don't think they really need to tweak that. You know, the match play was was cool. Um now the points system has has come out, we can kind of grasp it a little bit better. I thought that I'd read the maximum you could get was four and a half points, whereas you, you could actually get six. So I didn't realise there was quite that much. Um, and that made a really big difference in the score when you had those blowouts. Um, one thing that a few people have commented on, and I think it's a great idea as well, is that the UK, they don't want to be part of Europe. They've pulled out of bloody the, the EU and the Eurozone. And uh, if you took the UK in the teams competition out and you put them in with the internationals, then would have some much closer racing. I think the Americans would probably get it more spanked than what they did, um, but it would weaken the European team and make the internationals a lot stronger.
0: And that's my one concern moving forward, because that was the probably, you know, like it was interesting because the Americans came out strong in the first part. And there was a bit of a surprise, you know, early on for the Americans to be in front Well, you're kind of thinking, well, that's, you know, you weren't expecting that. Um, and then, you know, what we all expected kind of happened. And it, it does need to be a competition. You know, like what we ultimately want is those last couple of races, those results really matter. And listen to, you know, and who knows what the sport looks like five years from now, but is it always going to be that Europe's going to kind of dominate for a period, you know, and does that take away from the magic of what we're trying to create in the competition of the race?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cause yeah, ultimately no. this that's what's going to create excitement. The, the, the one-on-one races are cool, but what we want to see is two races to go ship, Anything can happen right now, and these races really matter. And, and they're you know, on the EGSE kind of stuff. That's what we want from this race.
1: Mm. And I think I don't know if that's going to happen unless you know, if they took the UK out of Europe. Europe is still going to be awesome, but that's going to make the internationals really good. Um, it's just the American team going forward. You know, uh, you've got some really awesome female ITU athletes coming through. Um, but you know, or well, do find you do some something like ice. do you do something like make it North America? Mm. That would would certainly help, and I think that would make things a bit more even. Then you'd have the likes of Jackson Laundrie, who did well uh, going into the American team. Canada is normally producing a few good athletes, Paula Finlay. Um, So I think that would make uh, for more balanced teams.
0: Yeah. So UK, out of Europe, international, and then kind of North America instead of just America by itself, yeah, because to me, that's what that's one concern moving forward. Look at next year's race. Who you if you had put your house on it right now, would you put it on?
1: Oh, yeah, for Europe for sure. So you know,
0: and that's a problem because we want it to be a competition, so that, that's one thing I'm worried about. Well, not worried about, but
1: I think if they could tweak it to make it more competitive, that would be great. Uh, the course, I thought that uh- yeah, but what, what didn't seem like the most exciting course and no, partly no. that would, be, would have been because of COVID and of I'm talking from a spectator point of view. Um, there was lots of crashes out there. As I said earlier, we only saw um, one or two of them with Lionel Sanders and uh, Holly Lawrence, but I'm sure there was definitely one other and there may have been others. I kind of like the solitude of the racing to some degree, um, but I, at the same time, imagine if this was like at rote and uh, you had thousands of people on the sidelines, um, it would have been a Quite a bit cooler for the oh, athletes, yes. and but we know with COVID and stuff, you know, it wouldn't really be realistic to do that anywhere. But as remember, the original out. one was meant to be in broke. Imagine if it had been. Mm. So you're going to have to have this event somewhere where there's an event running alongside it. So then you've got some reserves there ready to go. As we saw this year, there were some late changes. So yeah, maybe we'll see it at challenge road next year. Maybe we'll see it in America. Who knows, but it does need to run alongside another event and it'll be cool to have it as a more of a spectator friendly um, course rather than the bike course going up and down a motorway. But Hey, you've got to have a a venue and, uh, and it worked out pretty well this year. Prize money. Hmm. Uh, you want performance money, don't you? I, yeah. I do, but I don't know how you. And now that I started thinking it through, I'm like, how the hell do you do that? Because all the matchups are different, and if you if you're say the, I don't know, if you've got to go up against Jan fredino and you're not, you're going to get third, and it's pretty obvious you're going to get third, and you don't get any money. Versus uh, then there might it might become a bit political about where you put people. So I do, you know, there was clearly some athletes there that were not on their top game, um, and would they have gone if there wasn't that? you know, guaranteed money um, there. So I, I don't know. I haven't gotten, I hate not having solutions when you're, you're moaning about something, but I would. it would have been nice to have some other sort of structure, but I'm not sure of what the answer is. Yeah. How do you
0: do that in a way that's, is it just that you, yeah, yeah. A bit of luck of the draw there as well, isn't it?
1: Uh, lastly, longevity. Yeah. And no, I'm not really, I just look at this event and go, it was cool. It was amazing. Millions, like we're talking millions of dollars. There was $2.5 million in prize money, let alone everything else going on there. Mm. Um, and I know that we've we heard from Charles Adamo, who's in charge of the PTO, and they're in this for the long haul. And I've got a re- great investor. Man, they're just <laughs> burning millions of dollars. And I just don't know how this is sustainable, you know, five years down the track. Um, how's an event like this going to make any money? Um, and so, so they get lots of
0: TV rights.
1: So, do you think
0: they made much money from the TV rights this time, or do you think they kind of gave it away? Saying, I don't
1: think they would have made anything, you know. If you're a TV company, are you going to pay for that? Probably not. Um, so I don't really know how that side side of things works, but you know, they want to be a Ryder Cup. We're never going to be a Ryder Cup, and I know that's being pessimistic, but we're just not in the same league. We're gonna, it's an awesome sport, It's, it's a cool spectacle. Um, but did this actually make any?
0: My question is, is it a cool spectacle mm. if you don't love the sport? Mm. You know, and I'm not quite sure if they've got that right on the day. And, and that's, a, that's, the, that's a triathlon challenge from day one. I think Super League, that's a cool spectacle. Short of course stuff because there's lots more dynamic stuff happening. Um, but overall, the only other thing I'll, I'll add to it is I thought, you know, the, there's some stuff really cool before the race. like The, um, the Athlete Pro Media mm. Conference was awesome. It was really well done. It was quite fun. Everyone kind of embraced it, got a bit cheeky. You know, there's a bit of, bit of shit talk happening. Uh, yeah, I thought they got that side of it really. It was it was interesting,
1: at least. Bevan, I've got a Zwift and a Zwift ride starting in, in three and a half minutes, so we're gonna come off here, and we've got Braden Curry coming up. So you're gonna hear and there. Granted, obviously the the sound quality is not amazing there. These athletes are traveling all over the place, but we want to try to get at least one on today, and we may have one or two others coming away. Okay, so here's Braden Curry right now. Second
3: round. I had my first one, but it wasn't quite enough. So <laughs> I hope you get taken
1: Sweet, we'll crack straight into it. So um Righty Ho team. So we've got Braden Curry on the line here, who's fresh from a smashing victory at the weekend in the Collins Cup. Um w first up though, I want to give people an appreciation, if you're not a Kiwi listening to this, um the challenges you've you face get, getting to the Collins Cup. So maybe run us through Braden, your your journey sort of door to door to get to get to the race over there. I'm picking it was probably a good fifty hours of travel or so
3: uh yeah yeah no it's a pretty big one it's a pretty big commitment um obviously we're a long way away from the rest of the world right now and uh even more so with the challenges um that we've got trying to get back um so yeah i i sort of i had a spot booked to come home after kona uh in october and then obviously with kona getting cancelled um had to make the decision of what I wanted to do and whether I was prepared to come over here and stay for three months. Um, So, yeah, it was uh, last minute and I delayed it a couple of days and, yeah, shot the gap last Tuesday um, to fly over here to get in uh, Thursday night and race Sunday morning. First of all,
0: two kind of questions here, Braden. How was the form going into the race? But mentally as well, you're a competitor, I totally get that, but when you're kind of in two minds... How was it for motivation
3: with your training? Um, yeah, I mean, it was pretty challenging, to be honest. Uh, we were in Australia and had a really good block in Australia. Um, so, I had eight weeks there. And it was, um, yeah, obviously we had to shoot back to New Zealand to fly out um, and the bubble was going to close between Australia and New Zealand. And we had made the decision for... Uh, that we didn't want to make the kids isolate um, this year. So we made to ship back to New Zealand, pretty much to drop them off, sort them out, and then white flights also put from New Zealand. So I was going to have to change my flights for them to do that. So that was three weeks prior um, coming over here. So it was a bit of a mix and a match. Yeah, shot home, you know, went from 20 degrees to 2 degrees. And, um, yeah, trained three weeks uh, what I could, um, definitely lost some form and uh, yeah, and then shot over here. Um, so I and then obviously we had had lockdown in New Zealand too, so I hadn't swum for two weeks mm-hmm. and um, yeah, jumped straight into the race.
1: So, um, tell us about your tactics. You know, you, you once you knew your lineup, you're against Patrick Langer and um, and Matt. Uh, how did you sort of did, did it? Did your tactics differ at all from any other race or you just was the objective just to go out there and smash it?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had obviously had some tactics. It's quite cool just racing three people. It makes the race a lot simpler. Uh, you don't worry about so many dynamics within the race. Um, but yeah, obviously, I know Matt's a phenomenal runner. He ran down pretty much the whole field in Daytona. Um, blew everyone apart um, and came in second. So I had you know, and obviously um, Patrick can run pretty well too. So um, I backed myself to run with Patrick probably at a 70.3, like a half distance, um, and this was a little bit less than that. I think he's a phenomenal Ironman runner, but he's probably not quite as quick over that distance running, where Matt's very quick. Um, so, yeah, I guess in the swim, the tactic was to just I can swim solid, swim hard, um, try and make a break on Matt, leave him isolated. Um, I knew Patrick was probably going to swim with me and I I didn't think he's swimming well these days so I didn't think there was going to be a way I could drop him um, but yeah, I gave it a go uh, and then I guess on the bike, tactically for me was I, I kind of met Patrick and I are probably pretty similar riders um, so I just decided to keep uh, on the front really and keep the tempo up and at about 60K, he dropped off the pace. And, um, yeah, I ended up sort of a couple minutes up going into transition. Um, and, yeah, I guess the rest is history.
1: Um. How did you sort of overall, you know, how do you feel about your performance, you know, relative to when you're at your, your peak performance? You know, you won the match, absolutely smashed them. You brought home all the points for the internationals, which is great. But, you know, on reflection, how was how your performance relative to, to what the, the very best you can do is?
3: Um, oh, it's probably a pretty long way off, to be honest. Um, yeah, I feel like I was, I'm just building at the moment and I was going to have five weeks in Maui. Um, training for Kona and I think that was literally going to be icing on the cake um, for Kona and about as good a run in as I could have ever had um, so yeah I feel like form is uh, I think it's pretty good um, but yeah probably with the travel um, and just the extent of the travel getting here and the time zone changes and the fatigue um, that was definitely the best performance I probably could have pulled out of the bag on that day
0: just in regards to other experiences like, like a Kona or like a 70.3 World Champs that you've been to, um, how does this Collins Cup, I know it's the first time and it's probably everyone's kind of feeling their feet, but how was it different and what were the good things and maybe what were some things where maybe you could feel there could be some improvement moving forward?
3: Um, I, mean, I just think it's awesome to see triathlon evolving. The bench sport, everyone to get involved in. And I do think uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, the biggest sports in this world, they have heroes in the sport and they have identities of the sport and they don't just one or two, they have a deck of, you know, teams, um that are, you know, world-renowned and out there and I think, um, you know, that kind of drives other people to get into the sport and follow the sport and I guess this is where they're going to go with the PTO and um, the Collins Cup. Uh, to kind of make it a bit more normalised and, and make those kind of, um, you know, top 10, top 20 in the sport um, you know, sit them on still make them more famous in a lot of ways and um, yeah it was a great event, it was fun, it's a cool concept um, I think the beauty of it is everyone enjoyed it uh, which is quite unique for a triathlon where you know, you get um, 40, 36 of the you know world's best together that are all competitors normally and you're all giving each other the evil eye for the week uh, leading into the race um you know this race there's only two other people that were really your competitors on the day and um you know the rest of them you could have a yarn to and drink coffee and um catch up properly so it did take a lot of attention away as an athlete and um yeah it's just you know a great event to be a part of and I think uh, you know, going forward, obviously, there's always things that can be improved on and, and they're well aware of um, you know, things that they could change and um, mix up. But uh, they're definitely open to feedback and growth and um, evolving.
1: There was a bit of um, smackdown talk in the media amongst many of the <laughs> athletes. Um, we just got an email through before saying you pulled out a pretty, a pretty solid quote on, uh, on Patrick Langer. Can you, can you recall what you said?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, it was um, obviously uh, I raced Patrick. Uh, What's it four, four years ago now in Kona, and uh, that was the year he won and broke the world record. Um, but uh, I have a well, we all have our suspicion that he paid um, Andreas Ritzer a, a wealthy uh, bonus for making sure that Patrick uh, stayed at the front of the race or got and got to the front of the race. Um, oh, really? So, yeah, we uh we were on the front line up having some banter and uh um Patrick uh asked something about how the day would go and I said, Well probably uh you know, we'll see how it goes when you don't have your big blue smith uh pulling you along.
1: So, <laughs> <Nice>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Lucky enough he doesn't uh, Lucky enough, he didn't actually pick up on it, and so <laughs> <laughs> he could get the key sense of humour, and um, it kind of went over his head so I had to tell him um, pretty much on the start line what I said about him. Nice. <laughs> but, uh,
1: how do you know how far he went off course? Because well, we saw like um, Andrew Starkowitz going a little bit off course at the end of the bike ride. Um, but he maybe lost, I don't know, thirty seconds or so to to. Um, Lionel Sanders did Patrick Langer do sort of something similar just overshoot the finish or did he go significantly off course
3: he went pretty significant in the end yeah um, so he had we were probably together about 60k and then he dropped off and they had maybe a couple of minutes on him at sort of the end of the highway um, and somewhere between there which lasts like 10k he took a wrong turn um, and probably added about three minutes to his ride mm,
0: bummer. Um, just, just with regards to um, with what's, what's happening with the PTO, you know, as you said, it's kind of a significant moment in the sport in that it's kind of the first time we've actually seen something like this actually start and get momentum and actually start to, we see some results of the work that these people are doing. Has it shifted? You know, you've been in the game for a while now and and it, the Ironman experience has very much been, the pro is a very much solo experience and I'm sure day to day it still is, but is it different now because the PTO, and, and I know you went along Collins Cup and so you got to make some more bit deeper bonds with the other athletes and that kind of the way it's raced is less pressure and, or at least pressure against everyone's fighting everyone. Uh, what does that give you as an athlete, as a foundation that maybe you didn't have in the past or is it very much the same as it was in the past? Um, no,
3: I think it'll be different than it was in the past. I think, um, yeah, I think it's all... Well, You know, if they get traction and they get going like they aim to, um, it will change the sport for professional athletes. And um I just think it just means more stability um at the end of the day for us. Like it means more consistency of racing, more guaranteed racing, um consistency of pay versus and I think it gives it gives younger guys a a future, it gives them a like a I guess a clear path, a journey to take and um you know it's got it's got to do some progressive building blocks towards it and obviously when you do make it um and you are in there it's it reaps you reap the rewards you know it pays better than uh most other events that we go to and um i guess in a lot of ways that you know that payment is pretty um guaranteed uh, um, as long as you make qualifying spots
1: so what's your what's your plan from here? I know when you left New Zealand, you didn't really know what you you were doing. I know athletes, uh, quite a lot of athletes are going off the race this weekend, whether it be at Ironman Switzerland or elsewhere. So um, now you've had a, a week to mull over things. You know, what's your your path between here and uh, eventually getting back to New Zealand?
3: Good question. It's fantastic, don't me, mate. That's <laughs> what I know. Every day it changes. Have you you got got your thing booked in? So I've got an MIQ slot for October the 14th, which is obviously after Kona. Uh, Um, I don't really, you know, with two kids and stuff, I don't really want to be here solo in Europe by myself for that long. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're trying to work on trying to sneak into Dylan McNeese's room. Um, so we're trying to bludge our relationship and uh, <laughs> so we can share a room for two weeks in MIQ, but I don't like our chances there. Um, other than that, I'll be on MIQ booking system every day, but nothing's come up for about two weeks because they're just holding spots for um, for uh, COVID patients. Um, so yeah, it could be a long journey till I get home. But uh, I'm gonna go race rock this weekend. Cool. Oh, nice. Uh, yep. Yeah, so I head over there on Thursday, and yeah, race Sunday. Um, it's a little bit of redemption for me. I had a pretty bit of a shocker last time I was there. Um, so hopefully I can make amends of it and have a good race. Um, and if I can't get home after that, then maybe I'll try and do seventy point three um, Nice. Um, or oh, I just go you knock around and find some racing, really. Just, just with Kona changing,
0: um, obviously, you were, you know, this year was kind of leading up to that moment. Uh, what shifts for the rest of the year for you? You know, because, you know, it's going to be early next year in theory. Um, what's, first of all, what's it like as the goalpost keeps moving? And then how do you shift your season? Because obviously, being a Kiwi athlete, you'd normally kind of be doing lots of racing through summer anyway. But just how does it shift your outlook moving forward?
3: Well, I think the key thing you say there, Bevan, is in theory. Um, And that's the real hard part right now, isn't it, with Ironman? Yeah, Uh, yeah. As athletes, we're all pretty off it, really. Like, as professionals, like, they want us to keep racing and and do stuff. But I don't know. It seems like they haven't really tried that hard to make it happen, in my mind. Um, You know, like, why why could they not take 70.3? Or why could they not take um, World Champs to Texas for a year or Florida or something where they can guarantee the event to happen? Um, and then just going and trying to throw it in February when you can't get accommodation because it's high season in Kona. Um, uh, no one's going to, you know, we tried to book accommodation last week when we heard the change and we still we couldn't even get a con last week. Just mm. Before anyone from Kona's even started booking, like we found out before they even said that they were moving the date for for Man released that we found out through friends that live in Maui and said that. Kona's going to be off because they're shutting it down to events of 25 people Um, so yeah who knows at this point in time Um, I guess for me I will come home to New Zealand and we'll try and build back into some training and I guess focus on New Zealand summer racing and if Kona does go then maybe I'll I'll go and try and do a block somewhere pre-Kona January early Feb and uh, Hope that that'll
1: be enough to give it a good shot. Work it. Well, all the best for this weekend and and uh, Roat, and uh, we'll let you get back to dinner. And awesome work for for getting some points for the internationals. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Good luck with you uh, and, and just, representing the Kiwi strong, mate. Love your work. We need some bloody different colours on that that outfit. That you look yeah, like with the black. You look yeah, like, it's like yeah, black we Australia.
3: We're saying needed a fern there. We you know we had the Australian uh, stars. Yeah. And we didn't have yeah. stars. There and it was three strong representing uh, in there too, and there was only, what, two Aussies. So um, we had the uh, most uh, international athletes um, with the least representation. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll keep working on it. We'll get some black Yeah, can
1: it. we sort that out, mate? Sort that out. Awesome. I'll get back to you now. Thanks for your time, and um, good luck for rowing this weekend.
3: Yeah, righto. Cheers, guys.
0: I so that was Braden Curry. Uh, just before we go on from that, it's a really interesting point about they could have put a World Champs on this year. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with that. And last year you can kind of understand, you know what, everyone was in the deep end, it was a bit kind of crazy. But they should have had a backup plan.
1: And it's not like there was not other races already happening. So they don't have to go and create another race. There's, no. there's plenty of races in October. That's the date people were preparing for. So yeah, go chuck it on, for, not necessarily for age groupers, but for pros, you know, chuck it in on Florida or wherever, but at the same time, you know, oh man, <clears throat> it's a business. How many people, how many people
0: in age group world do you think are going to end up going to Kona in February?
1: I would imagine uh, very few non-Americans and like, I think every day that passes, it looks less and less likely that uh, it might mm-hmm. happen because uh, Belinda just said to me, just as I was coming down, that America has got uh, highest COVID levels they have ever had since this whole thing kicked oh, off. Really? So, um, so it's not going to get any better anytime soon. So yeah, previously I'd said Kona, October, it's happening. Now I'm saying February, not but my house. Oh, on that so line. you've changed,
0: changed, changed your tune a little bit on this one. Changed my tune. But I get it. I I, I I didn't really think about that. I just kind of thought, oh, it sucks that Kona it does not exist. But Bradens brings up a really good point. They, they should have a world championship. It's their job to have, you know, if, now we know that they don't really care about the pros. But, you know, as you, nowadays there's so many races in October. And I'm sure there's a race in Europe that they could make work. You know, like it's, I don't know. Yeah, a bit disappointing. Anyway, uh, you got Joe Skipper. Now, I was out. For, this show has been kind of recorded over many different hours. Uh, I was out for a run. John said, can you get on in five minutes? I was like, no, nah, I'm out for a run. And
1: I was, so, I was literally on the bike mid-swift rise. Um, <clears throat> Joe said he's available. I said, righto, I'm getting off and getting on. And it's always good to have a chat with Joe.
0: Here's Joe Skipper right now.
1: Righto team, so uh, for those of you who watched Collins Cups at the weekend, you saw Joe Skipper putting on absolute awesome performance uh, last race of the day and was one of the highlights for a lot of us. Unfortunately, Joe just missed out on the end of the run, but Joe, you love a bit of smack talk and I hear there was a bit going on at the press conference beforehand.
2: Yeah, there was, yeah, me and Justin Metzler uh, <laughs> had a bit, but to be honest, there was a bit between all three of us in the lead up to the race, like... Jackson was getting involved as well on Instagram uh, and it was going a bit back and forth and then Justin uh, tried to uh, really give it the beans at the uh, press conference.
1: <laughs> it, it, it sounded like it was going across the board. Like we spoke to Braden Curry earlier and he pulled out a great one-liner and uh, we saw um, Jan Fredino throwing a um, an inflatable device into to rescue Sam Long in a swim. It was quite, quite different to what we see at other races. Did, did you enjoy that um, aspect of it?
2: Yeah it was absolutely amazing Um, like the whole week to be honest was probably one of the highlights of uh, my like triathlon career so far like I absolutely loved it the atmosphere amongst the team Um, also with the other teams there was always a good bit of banter between them as well and um, yeah the press conference I mean the the people who they had asking the questions they just asked good questions and they Mm -hmm. kind of like made it so it was like that you were probably going to get people talk a bit because I think that's the thing. You need the the questions to lead into it so you can kind of give the answer because you can't just come out with it on a bit of a whim because Mm. it's got to be the right situation, hasn't it? So they were just really good. It was, um, I can't think of the name now, but the guy who runs Trimax Canada and then there was another guy as well. Both of them were kind of running it and then Greg Bennett was asking some questions and it was just great. But I think also it put you under the spotlight because each person from a team was up there So you only had three people up on stage and that was the whole race, you know, and they were literally asking you, how are you going to beat the other person, you know, and kind of getting these questions. So I think a lot of the athletes were a bit nervous about (laughs) it as well. And um, yeah, the banter was good. And uh, everyone Uh, at the start of the week, I wasn't really too sure how it was going to go. You know, I was kind of thinking, oh, is it going to be that good? You know, there's only three people, you know, I'm not like, there's no prize money up the stake. You're just getting like a one-off payment, you know, like an appearance fee. And I kind of thought like, Is it really going to be like, are you really going to want to push yourself really hard for it? You know, what's it going to be like, but then as the week unfolded, it completely changed in my mind. And I was like, yeah, I absolutely hundred percent want to win this race. And then I said to Laura before the race, like, I want to win this race more than I want to win like Ironman Switzerland the following week. Like this Mm -hmm. race is uh, really, really want to do well. And it was because you're racing for the team, you're racing for yourself and you know, that it's going to be shown in a lot of countries and there's only three of you there and you So um, I felt like this race, as it went on and leading into the race, that I wanted to win this more than like probably a lot of other races that I've done. You know, I wanted to go 100% and and really do it justice.
1: And um, what was the week like leading in? Like I know you guys had a big press conference one day, but, you know, what what was how did the week differ compared to, say, leading into an Ironman? You know, I guess you're all at the same hotel. So just sort of run us through the week and how that unfolded.
2: There, There was a lot more media to do and a lot more, kind of like uh stuff like that you know for instance we had you had to do like a photo shoot one day and another day we had to like the day before the race we did a boat trip in Slovakia that was actually pretty cool to be fair like that was up the river uh in Bratislava and they had like some food what they put on and there was a load of VIPs for the race um that were that were there but that I actually really liked that like um and then what else there was Interview Breakfast with Bob. There was another thing. What took photos? This uh, bolt, um, special oh, yeah, bolt right. camera. You know the slow mo thing. Like yeah. that did it on like another day. But there was a lot of stuff in the lead up to it that you had to do. But I mean, it's just because they're trying to make it. You know, uh, get as much content as they can, and that's how they're trying to appeal to other sponsors to take on the event so You kind of like um, have to do, have to go along with it. You know, but in some ways, it wasn't too bad for me because. I knew that everyone else was in the same boat and they were all having to do all the social media, you know, all the media things. So mm. it wasn't like you felt like you were doing a lot, but no one else was having to do it. I think one day we did a 45-minute Zwift ride for Zwift on the sponsors. Um, so there was a lot of things like that. Interviews with the press as well, like where you had which you had to do. Um, and there was a obviously like the briefing. So there was a lot of stuff. I mean, it was pretty busy, but you're all staying at the same place and it's pretty you never really having to walk that far to each, but you had just had to be pretty structured on when you wanted to get your training in in between but having it as a late start really helped because it was like you weren't really bothered about trying to get to bed too early the night before the race you know it didn't really matter you know i was off at 3 50 p.m so you can have a lay in, you can get up at a normal time have your breakfast have lunch and then you go and do the race i loved it like the late start like i thought that was absolutely awesome
1: yeah it's just it sounds to me like you guys got treated like professionals whereas you know at a lot of Ironman events you know you'd basically in it by yourself and you're basically rocking up and trying to you know win prize money and do as well as you can but it just seems like I don't know yeah you guys got treated by like professionals like you know most other professional sports
2: do yeah yeah they do they really look after you there like everything was literally taken care of and there was a really good buzz as well leading into the race like and especially when the people came from the challenge race in the days leading into it and uh, all the hype that was going around the internet, and people sending me messages, like it was, it was a really, really fun event to be part of. And like, actually, to be honest, like I'd rather do this next year than I would race Kona, you know, mm. uh, because I enjoyed it more than Kona. And I thought it, I, I to be honest, I thought it was more fun. And um, I, 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 think it, it goes out. To be honest, you get more exposure as well from your sponsors. Like it goes out to a lot more. So for me, like I'd rather race the Cons Cup next year than, than Kona, even though you can't win anything uh like specifically you know there's not any extra prize money on the day it was just a really fun race to be part of and I absolutely loved it and like I would say to other professionals if they were wondering about it like if you got this if you can get the opportunity to try and qualify for it you definitely wouldn't regret it like we all said to each other afterwards like, all the other athletes like that was amazing like we absolutely loved it and in the after party at the end everyone's there like it was incredible
1: so your strategy looked relatively obvious um, for, for us when we were watching it, you know, do the best you can the swim and then absolutely lay the smack down on the bike and then see what's in the tank for the run. Or was that pretty much how you were thinking about the race before going into it?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Um, just wanted to try and last as long as I could on the feet of uh, Jackson Laundry and Justin Metzler, uh, try and limit my losses starting the bike. And then, yeah, basically you couldn't have put it better. I, well, I couldn't have put it better myself from what you said, basically. They just try and drop them on the bike and uh, hang on in the run. <laughs> like, that was the only way it was going to be, really. <laughs> and,
1: and how were your numbers? You know, you, I often say, you know, you, you, and you know that people probably say this about you too, you know, you, you do amazing Ironman performances and your half Ironman performances have not been on par with that. So I guess for this particular race, you know, it looked like you performed really, really well. But in wow. your mind, how were your numbers in terms of your pace and your power and, and, and what you've done elsewhere?
2: Um, well, the swim was pretty decent. Like, I mean, I lost time to to the guys, but I was only about a minute, twenty five minute thirty out the water. Um, and looking at how it compared to other people, it wasn't too bad, um, considering I swam by myself, like twenty eight minutes for the two k. But I think the fastest swim was only twenty five something for the whole day. Mm. Um, and I don't know who that was. It was twenty five something. But so um, uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I had a good transition. Uh, bike numbers. Um, I think it was around 350 watts, something like that, average. But I did take it, maybe 345. To be honest, I'm on training peaks. Uh, I've, I can get it on my phone quickly. Just bear with me, and I'll actually have a little have a little look and see. I didn't get the um, it didn't get GPS at the start of the bike when I pressed it. So yeah, well I can see peak 20 minute power for 372 watts, yeah. peak 30 367. So pretty decent. 90 was 347. I bet the bike was only an hour and 44 minutes, and then took it a little bit easier last 15k of the bike on purpose, like partly because it was technical, and secondly because I wanted to make sure I had some legs to be able to run. You know, I, I knew it wasn't like I can see the last eight minutes was 277 watts, but still 26.1 miles an hour, and that was in the technical bit and including like the dismount to the line, you know, where you're taking your feet off. So, yeah. um, but I mean. And there was not really much point in me pushing harder because if you look at the distance for that, even if I'd have pushed harder, I would have only gained like 20 seconds, but then I might have lost 20 seconds in the first kilometer if my legs were smashed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, timely. and then I think I had a bit of GPS problem on the run because it says my first run was the average pace for the first mile. If you go, you guys go in kilometer pace, so 344 for the first mile, which I just can't see how that how it was because my average pace for the whole run was 328k pace including that and i felt like i started off faster on the first mile so i don't know if when i pressed it it didn't have signal and that was why you know it started recording the time but didn't record the distance at the start because it seems a bit strange how it would be that slow considering you know the average speed of the run so pretty good for me like i mean if i go on there fastest 10k of the run 34-14 oh. which was kind of like my middle 10k so it's not bad like 18k
1: yeah and look I mean you same made, you pace made for 15k um you made Jackson laundry i mean i think he had this maybe just he had one of the fastest runs of the day which he needed to do to catch you so that, yeah. he had a bloody impressive run um, what was sort of going through your mind as he was closing in on you and did you give yourself uh, much chance of hanging on to him because i mean there was a speed differential but it wasn't gigantic so what were you sort of thinking as he was closing you in
2: well so on when i was running along when i saw that first mile um, come through because I had it so my watch beeps every mile, and I saw the first mile, and I felt like I was running about, you know, five thirty pace, so about in kilometer pace, but three twenty five k pace—that's what it felt like to me. And I saw the first mile come up, and it said three forty four, and I thought, oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> like it's gonna catch me in about five uh, <laughs> like, k. I thought it can't be. I thought it can't be three forty four k pace. Like it feels way faster than I'm than why i starting. I'm at, but I thought, oh god, like it's probably not lying. Then the next one came through, and it went down to. 325 and like i didn't feel like i was running any quick and i was like oh actually if i keep banging out these i've got a good chance of working out because i was trying to work out with my head i said to the motorbikes can you see him can you see him he said oh he's about three four maybe 500 meters behind yeah so i thought oh 500 meters i thought well let's just say 90 seconds i've got about i thought i had about two minutes at the start and i was kind of doing the math so i was like if i can get to 10k and i've got about 90 seconds then surely there's no way he's going to catch me if i'm because of the, you know i'll be holding the gap anyway so I got to like 10k and um, like they said, oh, he's about the same, he's about the same distance behind. And I thought, oh, brilliant. I thought, I've got this, you know, I feel <laughs> all right. I can like say, I feel all right. I felt like I could maintain the pace. Like I didn't feel like I could pick it up. Um, and then all of a sudden about four or five Ks, about, no, about three Ks later, they said he's about 250 meters behind. And I thought, oh my God, like I can't do anything about this. Like this, I just cannot, I can't pick it up anymore. I've just got to hope that he blows up by running faster because my splits were coming through and I was actually running some splits that were quicker than at the start. So yeah. I couldn't believe that he was actually suddenly taking chunks at me because it's, normally it's unlikely that people pick the pace up in the second half a half Ironman, isn't it? You know, yeah. you'd normally start off quick and fade or if you're lucky and you do it well, you just hold an even pace, don't you? But he was, he was, he was up in the pace and I was like, Jesus, I can't do anything about this. Like, I'm literally stuck. This is all I can do. Um, mm. And then he caught me well, Laura was there. She was with about 14 Ks uh, to go. No, about 14, K, about 15 kilometers in, Laura was, my partner. And I when I saw her, I thought, oh, no. I thought she's walked all this way to uh, <laughs> to give me a time split. And, like, it's all in vain because I can't do anything about it. Like, he's like, about 24 seconds. At, you're about 24 seconds ahead. I thought, I know he's catching me, but I can't do anything about it. And then 16 Ks in, he ended up making the pass. Um, yeah, it's about two Ks to go. Just we literally came into the into the actual Samarin and Center, um, so maybe even just after sixteen kilometers. But I uh, initially he sat behind me. I slowed it down straight away because I was like, well, if he's there, it doesn't matter about the time. It's literally just about beating the other person. But then I slowed down for all of about three or four seconds, and then straight away he hits it hard. And you know, it's pretty textbook by him to be honest. And like I couldn't do anything. You know, I was just giving it my all trying to stay away and just hoping for the best. Like I didn't look behind or anything. I just focused and just run best I could, but he had a fantastic run. And like, I couldn't like looking back, you know, sometimes you think you could have done certain things better, but I really don't think I could have done anything better. Like I had a good swim for me, you know, I only lost like a minute 30 in the end, bearing in mind I swam the whole thing by myself. And like those two make the front pack and swim. So it was pretty solid swim. And then my power numbers were good on the bike. I was holding a decent aero position. Um, and then on the run, I had my best run. So I literally can't think of anything that, you know, unless I was fitter, that I could have done to stop him from beating me. Mm.
1: Now, I mean, looking at the bike times, the the, the likes of you, um, Sam Long, Starkowitz and Sanders all rode within about 30 seconds of you guys, of of each other, sort of a 144. Um, so you clearly had a, you know, good pace on the bike. Um, when, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the splits, you know, in terms of the, the times and stuff, there was quite, a lot more variability than what we might see at a 70.3. So I guess this style of racing probably suits someone, the likes of you, a bit better where it is draft legal and you can totally unleash your, your bike rather than having to sort of chase down the pack. So I guess, did it did it did it pan out? Was it quite di- a different feel out there compared to, to like a 70.3 race?
2: Yeah, well, the thing is, there's nowhere to hide in this format of racing. So people get exposed if they're not fit enough because there's no packs, you know, you can't put a dig in and then all of a sudden be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a bit bad. I'll just sit in or save my legs for the run. That's the thing. A lot of the guys like Jackson, you know, for instance, Jackson, I've raced him a few times this year. And I think when I've raced him, he's kind of like played it a bit smart, sat in the packs and stuff like that. You know, I'm not saying that he couldn't have, but he's done that, which is fair enough. You know, that's how he's raced it. But then in this race, and you would have thought that he might have been exposed from that, but he had a really good run you know Mm. but some people can't cope with that as well you know some people will like sit in the packs in 7.3s and then that's how they run well and then in this format of racing it's a 20 meter draft zone as well so not only are there only three people if you're um like riding the whole thing by yourself and all of a sudden you're pushing 60 70 watts more to go the same speed you're not normally going to run as well are you Mm. but i think I think it brought the best out of all of us because I was speaking to Jackson in my, you know, from my race at the end. And he said he, that was like the, the hardest he'd gone. I felt like that was my best race. Justin Metzler thought he had a good race, even though he was behind, uh, which he probably did like and talking to some of the other guys, like I remember speaking to Keenley and he said that he pushed some amazing watts for him. And he said he lost buddy two minutes on the bike, but mm. he still like did a decent run. So like, I think a lot of us all up our game on the day because, you know, we we're all looking forward to it and all really motivated. And, uh, but it does expose people that aren't on form and, you know, there's literally nowhere to hide, which made it great fun. Um, But I think a lot of people just on the day as well did have a good day because you knew it was going out to a lot of people on TV. I think a later start helped because you had all day to like get your nutrition in. you could like have caffeine before the race. You didn't feel tired. And there was so much hype around the race actually while it was going on, you know, you could see the women starting and the atmosphere was amazing. So it really got you in the mood for the, for the race
1: cool um one thing that you mentioned earlier you know there wasn't that <clears throat> prize money pressure um and it looked like to me and and you've sort of confirmed that like everyone raced their hearts out and went full noise there was nobody who sort of um you know what seemed, seemed like nobody gave up there was a few people that were clearly off for whatever reason sick or whatever but um do you do you think there's any? Well, what changes would you like to see? Like, uh, I can't understand how you'd change the prize money because it's all different matches and stuff. Um, you know, what, what it was awesome, but it was, what changes would you like to see perhaps happen for, for next year?
2: Um, potentially, I mean, the matchups were good, uh, but potentially the athletes getting uh, in the teams talking together and you get, say, 20 seconds, to, like some, a team picks a match, and then you have 20 seconds or something to talk to each other to quickly right. pick someone who you want to nominate. So it's like on the spot, boom, 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 you know, amongst the athletes. Yeah. Um, if you were going to do prize money, then it would be good to get smaller appearance fees and then potentially put money into like your region doing well. So it yeah. works out that you get a decent amount of money, but say like most of the money would be like, say if Europe won, then it would be distributed amongst the European team. And then second place team gets it. So everyone knows that, you know, you really want your team to do well because there's even more at stake. You know, everyone gains if the team does well. Um, And then you could also have like a bonus if you um, got one of the fastest times or something, you know, to say you went on, your team didn't do well, but like your time was the fastest. You get a bonus, second place gets a bonus. So it encourages, definitely there's even more motivation for people to race to the line. And then even if the race, I guess, is a bit, of a walk you know someone's winning clearly then it can kind of keep people engaged because you can have a list of the fastest times yeah. maybe some preams faster swim bike and run pream as well
1: nice.
2: so it encourages racing amongst every discipline and the overall times as well as beat winning your match yeah. so it makes every aspect of the whole race hard um, highly fought over yeah and then you could like see who's winning like you know on the tv yeah. Um, on the coverage, if they were going to do it as well, I think it would be good to show power metrics and stuff like that so people can see what power people are doing. you know, like you could say they're averaging this power for the last 20 minutes, this power for the ride, they're averaging this speed, you know, get that when they're talking about the ma- with the matches. so commentators can talk about that. Mm-hmm. on the run, if you could see what like people's heart rate and pace was live, that mm-hmm. would be really good because mm-hmm. I think it would have been really interesting to people are just saying like you know Jackson, for instance, like when he was chasing me down. If the fans at home could have seen what our heart rates were and what our pace was, and in the gap, that would have been really interesting and it would have given the commentator something to talk about as well. Mm. So just little things, loads like little things, but I think it could make it really exciting.
1: Um, one, one thing we discussed earlier in the show, you know, Europe are always going to be strong. You know, if we look five years down the track, 10 years down the track, you know, you're going to probably see variability in the international team as to, you know, who's the rock star at the time. And, and likewise with America, but Europe are always going to be strong. We were sort of proposing maybe given you guys have done your Brexit and you've left the European Union for the UK to be racing as part of the internationals team. Do you, you I mean you're a POM? So what, what do you think POMs would think of that? Do you think that nah, we're part of Europe or do you think um, being part of the Europe the international team would make it for probably a more consistently fair competition? Yeah,
2: I competition? think it would probably. Yeah, I think it would probably make it a bit more consistent, more, more fair. Like I would be up for that because it would make it a bit more um bit more even. Like at the end of the day, you want the teams to be as even as possible, really, because mm-hmm. it makes it more exciting. So I, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Like, I think it would be, it would add that would definitely add a different dynamic because if that strengthened the internationals team up and they were say like, and all three teams were fairly even, that would be really exciting. But then, I mean, also, one of the guys in the press conference, I think it was Starkey, who was taking the piss a bit, but he said the European team is a lot older than the other teams. And I think like some of the guys on the team are a lot older than the guys on the international team. Like there was quite a few, there were some younger guys in there, like I think Kyle, Is fairly young, Max Newman. So, and I don't know how Teresa Adam is, but uh, like she hasn't been on the scene for too long. So, Mm. maybe in the next few years. I mean, if you get like if Frodo retires, for instance, then that leaves a big hole in the European team. You know, because that means we've got to have an extra athlete to fill it, and you lose like a star name. So, I think triathlon's always had like in different eras, like. Areas that have been stronger Like I think if you went back Like maybe 20 years 15, 20 years Like Australia was probably The dominant one in the world Wasn't it So mm. You know I think Europe's going for a stage At the moment But who knows What will be, what it will be like In five years time
1: now you've, you've done a lot of Globetrotting this year You've been over to the States um, You've been all over the place uh, Doing plenty of racing Which making up for 2020 um, What's your plan You know Racing Switzerland this weekend What's your plan For the for the rest of the season You know No Kona But what's what's up
2: so I'm racing Switzerland, like you say, this weekend, and then I'll kind of like see how that goes and how I feel. And then I'd like to get one more last race if I could of the year. Uh, potentially, like after speaking to some of the guys in in Samarin, like I know Sam Long's thinking of doing Chattanooga. Well, he's entered Chattanooga. He's definitely all in for that. Lionel was thinking about it. And I think it would be awesome if I could uh, feel good enough to do Chattanooga and race those guys. Like the course looks awesome. Like Sam Long won it last time. It's a downstream swim, which suits us because um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're out of the water in about 40 minutes. So I've got to admit that's very appealing, but I think <laughs> it could be an awesome race as well, because looking at how us three race, potentially we could be together for a lot of the day. And that's not to say there's not going to be other people ahead of us as well. So there could be three of us all going into that full, full tilt, like, and the race could not potentially not be decided until the final moments. Yeah. And that's like really exciting to be in a race. So like, I love racing those guys. Like whenever I race against them, I always feel really excited. And like, I feel like it kind of brings out the best in you because you want to try and beat them and they want to try and beat you. And there's always a bit of like, we're always giving each other a bit of abuse before the start. Um so, uh, and I think we all hate losing to each other. So yeah. it would be really fun to race against those guys, but I'll just need to see how I feel after Switzerland and, whether or not it's possible you know because i don't i'm not going to go there from like not in top form so mm. the, if i feel good i'll do that if i don't then it will just be like have an end of season break and just build up for uh, potentially kona in february mm.
1: awesome uh, anything else you want to get out there anything else you've been up to that uh, you want to get out there i know you, you you seem to be youtubing a bit more these days so any, any public announcements you want to make
2: um, I haven't really got any, but the YouTube channel's been a bit quiet over the last bit because it's been really hard to do, but I'd like to get a bit more on that. Um, but no, I haven't really got anything else to say. Just thanks for uh, putting me on the, uh, the show again. John, always great to chat to you, and uh, thanks to everyone that follows me. Like, uh, really appreciate it. had loads of messages from everyone, and uh, they're always nice to read. Like, even if I don't respond to everyone, I always read them. So thanks. Thanks for all your support.
1: Okay,
0: so John, your thoughts on Joe's thoughts?
1: Joe's a bloody genius. He's, he's solved all our problems. I was in the, early in the show saying, oh, I don't know how you do this prize money thing, but <clears throat> what Joe sort of said there is absolute gold. You know, you go, right, we give everybody, you know, a, a parents fee, you know, whatever that might be. Um, and then you have different structures for winning different segments of the event. So, you know, when you win your match, maybe you get a certain amount. You, you have a ranking sort of one through... What is it, one through eighteen in the individuals race? So you're racing for time, plus you've got the individual splits. And I think that would I think that would add to people's preparation a lot better because you know if you turn up and you race fast, then you're going to do really well. So in, in this instance, you know, Jan Fredino won his match, but he was fastest overall. Um he'd get them the, the the most amount of money. Gustav Eden won his match, he was um second fastest overall. Braden Curry won his match, but he might have been, I'm not sure what his placing overall was, but it might have been Here's the question.
0: Now, and I, you could totally be a bad, bad idea. Could the could the points overall be influenced by that as well?
1: Yeah, he he said as well, you know, that, that there's a team bonus for for winning team, second team. Uh, so there's yeah. lots of different ways you could do it. But <coughs> uh, I think you need to, yeah. I'm not complaining. It's just, you know, you want to yeah. get some constructive feedback. And Joe had some uh, when I spoke to him off air as well afterwards, yeah, he sort of said, you know, what was the coverage like? And I sort of said, Yeah, it was it was really good could be a lot better. And he said, look, they know that they're listening. Um, and that's the thing. It's the, they're listening. It's not like you're talking to a brick wall, the, the, the PTO, they want to make this the absolute best it can possibly be. And they're listening and next year guarantee it's going to be even better.
0: One thing, I think
1: maybe in the recovery
0: as well, and I know they had the little interviews, but if you watched the, the, what was this, this kind of documentary series they had before mm. the race? What was that called? Mm, I can't, can't remember. remember. But, but they were brilliant. They were they were doing what a good sports doco should do, creating personality, um, creating rivalries, showing, you know, it wasn't just boring, crap old TV. It was actually really good stuff. It didn't really come through in the coverage. Mm.
1: You will, know? It, but it will do in the highlights package,
0: you sure. Yeah, hopefully. But, but, yeah, I just think maybe how do you bring that out more in the coverage? Mm. Not, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But it just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you overall, I think. Good first start. Not quite sure if it's going to captivate everyday people um, yet. What will be the coverage on the package look like? That's going to be but interesting as well. I would Big-
1: watch that all day long <clears throat> over watching the Hawaii Ironman. I mean, I want, I want to see who's going to win Hawaii, but yeah, I can come and go. Whereas the thing with, for me watching it, is you didn't really want to step away because you didn't know what was going to happen next mm. and you, you were going to miss something. Whereas in Hawaii, you go okay, they're on the bike, you know, I can come back in five minutes time and there probably won't be that much change. Whereas here- Do you think, you think? Do you, think you know, know we were exciting.
0: talking earlier about, I'm just thinking about it as a visual spectacle because I get that, you know, if you can geek out like us and watch it live and then have your computer next to you of all the stats, that'd be really cool. But almost like, you know, you have a bit of a split screen where maybe a, a quarter of the screen's just each race what's happening. So then they can chop and change with the commentators go, oh, actually look what's happening over here. So they can be more reactive to what's actually happening in the race right now.
1: Sure, that's what they want to go towards.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: interesting stuff. So overall, what do we say, John? I'm going to give them a in terms of the production and the and what we watched. I'm giving them a seven out of ten <clears throat> for the athletes in terms of the performances they put out there. uh I'm giving them a ten out of ten because there was some amazing performances that you didn't expect and it could have been a whitewash you know europe could have potentially won every single match um but the, some athletes really really stood up and 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 made it for i thought compelling racing what about um the format love the format only my only gripe is you know, just the the prize money structure um but other than that Yeah. Format was amazing. Um, you won't have heard, but one other thing Joe Skipper said, you know, maybe when they're doing the picks, you know, having a little quick team meeting amongst the athletes to decide who you're going to be lined up against rather than just the team captains picking them. Um, so, but but overall, very, very pleased. Team captains. Was it really amazing or, or was it, you know, is it how much choking choking on my breakfast here? Team captains, you know, it was cool. They were figureheads of the sport. Um, so I, I like that aspect of it, um, but didn't, for me personally, didn't do a huge amount for it. I didn't think they brought a massive amount to it, but they would have brought some leverage in the, the pre and post production and interviews and so on. But
0: I think well, I think where they went wrong is they tried to sell the influence they were going to have on the race more than what they could. Mm. You know, they're making it like the team captains with this kind of chess player, like almost like a gridiron coach who's making the plays and all the rest of it. And it's like, well, once the race starts, these guys, you know, aren't going to really have any influence on the race at all. Uh, and and they were trying to play a big game. I have to say, I love Norman Sadler because he just said it. He was just a real, real just upfront, like, we're going to beat everyone. You know, he was just like, it, was, it wasn't like, it was like, you know, he was just really kind of raw about it. I liked it. Yeah, That's good, good times. Time. Okay, John. Uh, let's go winger of, of the week. Okay,
1: so winger of the week. Uh, I'm going to say thirty three. Thirty three. Number thirty three. Oh, go, go Harvey Hayward can't swim at the moment, Gail's one of the joins our little swimming group, she swear, she rode 14 hours and 11 minutes and she did the mega pretzel on Sunday with a bunch of us uh, she ran 3 hours and 5 minutes and 0 minutes of swimming, the thing about Gail is when she does a workout it is rounded up or you know, rounded to a particular number, you know, those type oh, yeah, of people. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. 58 minutes or 59 minutes. She ain't stopping, she's going around the corner and she's rounding it up to one hour. And she's a, a regular at doing that. Uh, so Gail's a Christchurch based athlete, uh, and she was on Zwift with me this morning actually. When I mid mid, mid podcast, uh, when I was off, she was doing that over the last Four weeks. She's she been uh, pretty successful. Like she's done really well at age group champs and stuff like that as well, hasn't she? Mm-hmm. Regular New Zealand team. She's qualified for the Hawaii Ironman and went over and raced that. Uh, and yeah, last four weeks she's averaged eight rides per week. Most of that's on Zwift now, and so you know she didn't. Some of those rides will be short double up rides. Uh, she's averaged thirty kilometers per week running and four runs per week and. She's only averaging one swim per week. That's because we haven't been able to swim for about two and a half weeks. Good times. She's a lovely person. You coach for our running team sometimes
0: and uh, she, people love her. She's just
1: got and a heart. Support, camp, uh, support crew for our Epic Camp Mini, um, oh, no, which we held back in April and she was an absolute trooper. And that is a great segue. Great lead. <laughs> so what did you go? girl? you are a winger,
0: a winger, of, the winger of
1: the week. <laughs> hey, oh, no, there's a plug. Or as a plug, so I've, I'm just, I'm going to be announcing shortly, uh, sort of semi-announcing it, is a Epic Camp Mini, so I ran that for the first time last April, um, we did the sort of the top of the south tour, which was around the, the Nelson area of New Zealand, and I've planned out the next one, which is going to be um, sort of an alpine tour, it is going to be full on, we'll be starting just outside of Christchurch, going across the uh, Porter's Pass and Arthur's Pass to the West Coast. um, And then coming back over through the Lewis Pass and Hamner and Kaikoura. So very Alpine sort of, it's going to be amazing, amazing riding and doing some of the classic passes in the South Island. So Kiwis is probably more for you. Aussies, who knows? Is it April next year? We might be letting you in. Anybody else elsewhere in the world, probably don't put your name forward, but if you want to check it out, go to epiccamp.com. How many days? uh, It'll be five days. So it's sort of called a mini camp. We'll be going long, pretty long every day, but it is open for athletes of pretty much all abilities. You know, if you can be handling sort of 150K rides, then you'll be okay. Um, So if you're a half Ironman or Ironman athlete, then you'll be fine. If uh, If you're, yeah, if you're just a, I don't know. If you're Doing Olympic distance, if you have never done any long distance riding? Probably not for you, but anybody else, check it out. Um, haven't quite nailed it all down because I can't sort of do many bookings at the moment because uh, we've been locked oh, down course, and most yeah. places are closed down. Um, but I've got the route sorted, I've got some of the places booked. Um, but if you're keen, if you check it out.
0: Good stuff. Go to epiccamp.com, uh, nz mini. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, also, your Yorksman coming up.
1: Yep. Anybody in New Zealand, if you want to look for a different half Ironman you haven't done before, check out oxman.co.nz. It's on December the 12th, and it's only a two-lap bike course elsewhere these days. You've got to do multiple laps, nice and scenic. You're not going to have uh, thousands of people on the course, so you can have a nice fair race uh, and come down to Christchurch. Hire a minivan, no, hire a minivan, hire hire a camper van, and you can actually park literally within about... 50 metres of the, uh, the swim exit and a couple of hundred metres from the finish. So it's a nice, easy, convenient one if you've got yourself a uh, camper van. Good old ox man. Okay, John, let's wrap it up. Um, let's say thank you to all our patrons. Uh, we, we named a few at the Give, me, give me two seconds, Bevan, and I'll get a couple of other patron okay. names up in front of me because we don't want to ignore our patrons. They are the lifeblood of this show. So let's have a look here. I scroll up, we'll go. Uh, Robert Speedy G. Aruda. Daniel, Ooh, the that. investigator, Clark, and Rob, the detailed deliverer, Gray. Oh, good times for rock and roll.
0: Okay, guys, if so you want to get the show emailed to you, go to www.imtalk.me. Uh, down the bottom of the front page, you can also become a patron at that same website. Thank you to the people who are the patrons. Really means a lot to us in supporting what we do. Uh, if you want some coaching, coachjohnyerson.com. My podcast, uh And other content, as you cool websites, other feedback. I am talk podcast at gmail.com. What's your goss, John? What's my goss? Got your man? vaccine? Got the family got first, photo I saw?
1: Yep. Got my first uh, jab on Saturday. So that was, we've got the Pfizer one down here. So I had a bit of a sore arm the next day, but other than that, wasn't too bad. Uh, else, outside of that, Bevan, Yeah, we're still on lockdown here in New Zealand. So very much homebound doing and, you know, reasonable amount of Zwifting. Did a big mega pretzel ride on Sunday, and I'm planning on doing the London PRL on this Sunday coming. Uh, so if anybody wants to join in on that, it's 174 k's on Zwift. Uh, I haven't, I have ticked it off, but I didn't get the badge because last time I did it, stupid Zwift crashed on me. Uh, so going to get it this weekend. And how far into it, how far into it were you when it crashed? Mid ride. It was pretty mm. frustrating. <clears throat> and then I got back. How do you make on. sure it doesn't happen this time? You can't. Like, it's just, it was just a... But there's a high chance when you're going for that long. There's a, I don't say high, but there's a, there's a moderate chance. Like, yeah, it didn't happen to many others on the day, I don't think. Um, so it's a, it's a risk I'm willing to take, Bevan. Uh, how long will that take you? Well, it'll be... Hopefully, I can get it done dust in five and a half hours. It kind of depends how many people turn up. So it's a bit like going out on a group ride on the road. If you've got a group with you, you're going to move at quite a bit quicker average speed. Whereas if I've only got a couple of people with me, then um, we won't be going quite as quick on the flat sections. So last time, I think it took about five hours, 15, but we had a good solid-sized group. Uh, this time around, I don't think there's going to be as many. Uh, so outside of that, Bevan, it's just been chugging along really doing the uh watch that ted lasso oh it's that. brilliant that, isn't it it was really good enjoyed that so other than that not too much else going on what about for you how was your run today mid 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 podcast run I did a mid
0: podcast run you know, did cx after that it worked out well uh what have i been doing jumbo Just... it's not called cx anymore is it? it's called no, they it core yeah which is that cx is always a stupid name anyway so, cause better name. Uh, what, have I, what have I been doing,
1: John? Just kind of, it's, it's a bit frustrating being in lockdown, to be honest. Especially for you, you can't go to your gym instructing and then you can't do your running business either. No, so,
0: and yeah, so so just kind of getting some projects done. I have taught a couple of classes that got us to teach classes at home on Facebook. I've done that a couple of times. It's kind of interesting. But actually, it works. It's kind of bizarre, but it kind of works. Yeah. Um, no, nothing really, John. Nothing that exciting. Look, if
1: hopefully, fingers crossed, we go to level two. They're saying next Tuesday, isn't it? Or Wednesday? Who knows? I've given up guessing. Mm. I, to, mm. I was supposed to be organizing a duathlon this weekend. I had to postpone that. So,
0: Postpone or cancel?
1: Uh, I've managed to get a postponement date. So hopefully that'll roll through.
0: mm mm-hmm. That's what's frustrating, is it? And like,
1: like it, it does suck.
0: Like for our business, this is post Christmas is our biggest sales period, and these three weeks are our second biggest post sales period of the year. So, like, we're just losing yeah. so many sales. But oh well, you know, like <laughs>
1: we'll get through it. We'll get through it, John. We'll truck exactly. on through. Guys, right uh, hope you enjoyed the Collins Cup, and I might have a couple more interviews coming your way next week. Um, I might be doing one or two more today that will roll out next week. So. Good on that. Iron rusts. Oh, you do hard. He, train smart. Yeah, okay, okay.
0: He got me mid yawn. Right, <laughs> right See you guys.